Of course, a forced sale is always a painful thing. Dunstan felt wicked about it, partly because he knew that he had bought the Morgan place for about 30% of its real value, and partly because he knew that Morgan had not deserved to lose it. That is, he knew in his heart that bad luck had beaten the doctor more than anything else. That was the very reason that Peter Dunstan put on his grimmest face, and for the ride to the Morgan place that morning he selected the toughest and meanest horse in his string. He had a good string of horses, all with high strains of breeding, but that good blood was crossed with common old Mustang stock. Peter Dunstan liked horses of that ilk, fine-standing fellows with a good deal of devil tucked away in their hearts. This morning he had a black-legged gray beneath his saddle. The gelding fought him for a full ten minutes before he would straighten out and take the road. Peter Dunstan let him go like the wind, then, and Dunstan's men followed in the rear. They were accustomed to following their master at some distance, not that they were men who willingly take the dust of another. Indeed, Peter Dunstan had hand-picked them for just the opposite reason. All his hands were selected because they knew horses and knew cattle, and understood that a horse exists only to be ridden, and that a cow exists only to be turned into so many pounds of beef. Besides this, each was a good fighting man. With knife, gun, or fist, there was not a man in the group from the little red-headed man who rode a slant to the big, solidly seated fellow with black hair who could not hold his own ninety-nine out of a hundred times. These cowpunchers stayed with Dunstan in spite of the fact that they had to take hard work and hard usage from him. They stayed with him because, except for the one master, they were free men. Peter Dunstan liked to rule his men as an overlord and he did not want them to be subservient to any other person than himself. The sheriff wanted no nastier job than to try to get one of the Dunstan outfit, because the first hand that crossed his was not that of the guilty man, but Dunstan's own. If there were long hours and poor feed on the Dunstan ranch, it was a consolation to know that the boss had long hours and poor feed himself. If every man there had had cause to understand that Dunstan, in spite of his forty-five years, was his master, whether with fist or with gun, there was a deeper satisfaction in the knowledge that Peter Dunstan would fight for them even more readily than he would fight with them. They willingly allowed Peter Dunstan to ride first, and all those fierce men took his dust on the way to the Morgan place. They were as happy as their master. They knew that on this day he was about to take over the big valley farm. They knew that when that farm was taken over, it would be redeemed from the plow and turned back into open range. Dunstan knew horses and cattle and men. As for the seasons for plowing, sowing, and reaping, he cared nothing about them. 
he would let in the open range upon the fenced fields. Therefore these hardy men rejoiced in their own strength and in the strength of their master. Dunstan had not chosen the gray gelding in vain. The nervous, powerful brute had plunged and shied and bucked all the way across the dusty hills. His rider was in a fighting humor when he arrived at his destination, just the sort of a humor that he needed to face the doctor. Yet, when he encountered Dr. Henry Morgan, he saw that he had built up a savage spirit in vain. The doctor did not intend to make any faces over the affair. He had played a big game in this effort to drive farm so much territory. He had left